Welcome to Conversations. I'm your host, Doug Dewan, and joining me this segment is Tyler Martin, author of The Friction Factor, The Busy Person's Guide to Sustainable Diet and Exercise. Join us as we look at issues that affect us here at home, in our community, and across the nation. Today, we're going to talk about sustainable diet and exercise. Tyler, first of all, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to have this conversation with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Now, my first question is, uh, when it pertains to exercise, what do you mean by friction? Yeah, uh, so friction is a is a term that I've coined um, as I've just written a book around the, the concept, but it refers to the inefficient use of time and energy in a diet or exercise process. So anything that makes the processes themselves take longer or require more energy but don't add value are, are examples of friction. So think about things like, you know, packing up your bag and making the commute to the gym mm. or waiting for the oven to preheat. These are all things that make the process take longer, but they don't actually, you know, help deliver any additional benefit. So if you can find ways to eliminate friction from the process, then you make the behavior more repeatable, which ultimately leads to habit formation. So it takes like, about 66 days to form a, form a new habit, but you have to be consistent with the behavior during that time. So if you have a process that's very full of friction, it's going to be much more difficult to repeat consistently and you never reach that stage where things start to feel easier. Yeah. And what, what would you say is, is the biggest hurdle for people to overcome in creating that sustainable workout routine and, and fighting against those frictions? Yeah, I mean, there, there are several, but I think the two biggest ones, especially if you're just getting started, is first this idea that in order to get an effective workout, I've got to pack up my bag and drive somewhere to a fitness studio or to a gym. In most cases, that's making the whole length of the process take two to three times longer. And so if you can find ways to work out at home, even in short, you know, 20 minute or even shorter bouts on a day to day basis, that's going to be much more conducive to building sustainable habits. And then I would say from a nutrition perspective, from a diet perspective, the, the thing that really causes friction for people is trying to make quote unquote healthy choices in the moment. If you live a healthy or if you live a busy lifestyle rather, and you know, the pressure's on and the emails are flying and you've got, you know, responsibilities with kids and family, when you're in the moment and you just need to make a decision about what to put on your plate. If you don't have something, you know, pre-planned out and structured that you can follow, the chances that you're going to make a less healthy choice are much higher. So I, I think that's the other thing is not having any structure around a nutrition plan makes it much more difficult to consistently make good decisions. No, you're 100% right there because I will buy all of the ingredients and then a busy day. I'm like, I don't want to I don't want to make anything. I just want to throw something in the microwave and have it ready. And it's really easy to slip down that slope. Um, on a personal level, so I started working out on a consistent basis uh, at the beginning of COVID. And when I started, mm -hmm. I was personally like desperate to see results. And to be honest, it almost derailed me. Now, fortunately, I I had heard about the the habit forming things and I went 90 days without taking a day off just because I was afraid if I didn't do it, I wouldn't form the habit. Um, but without seeing the results immediately, it almost derailed me. What do you suggest uh, to people listening right now who are trying to start that habit for picking like realistic fitness goals and, and knowing what to look for. So you continue to maintain that motivation. Yeah, no, actually the example you just gave is fantastic. <laughs> like that's great because my whole approach to this is I tell people, Hey, in the beginning, 
um, especially if you've lived a more sedentary lifestyle or if you're just for the first time trying to get a habit built that you can stick with long term. It's much more important in the beginning to focus on what are called procedural goals. So this isn't, you know, am I losing weight? Is my body fat percentage changing? Am I getting stronger? Those things will all happen, but it's much more important in that initial period. So you mentioned 90 days in that first window, the research says it's around 66 days. There's some variability there, but if you can focus more on, did I stick to my exercise commitment today? Even if it was just five minutes, did I stick to my nutrition commitment for the day? Keep a checklist of that. And if you can be consistent with the right behaviors over time, once you reach that milestone where things have started to become automatic and they've start, started to feel more like a habit, the likelihood that you're going to be able to keep that up over time is going to be much higher. And the benefit there is then the physical benefits can start to compound over time and they're actually going to be sustainable. So that's the big difference. If you look at like the National Weight Control Registry that keeps track of how many people lose a substantial amount of weight and keep it off for a significant amount of time, it's, I want to say the numbers around 90% of those people exercise every day versus mm. trying to cram in longer bouts of, of exercise sporadically over the course of the week. So it's much more about being consistent day to day than, you know, the intensity or am I, you know, am I making big physical progress, big gains in the beginning? It's much more about are you doing the right behaviors consistently and then getting them on autopilot. Well, high five to myself then. Yay, that's great. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, then uh, talk to me a little bit about this because something that I definitely uh, struggled with the concept of personally is the ideas of motivation versus discipline. Um, what are your viewpoints on both of those and are there good motivations? Mm -hmm. No, that's a great question. So uh, first, with motivation, I think it's important to really consider what you're selecting as a source of motivation, because what is motivating you can have a pretty significant effect on the types of behaviors that you're willing to adopt. And some behaviors are sustainable and some aren't. So if you are, for instance, interested in making lifestyle change and, you know, you want to get the benefits of exercising and eating right over the course of years and decades, well, you want to find a motivational source that has some staying power in your life, some things that you're going to continue to care about over the course of time. So maybe it's to have energy to interact with your family or play with your kids after work, or maybe it's to um, you know, be active and mobile so that you can keep engaging in your favorite hobbies year over year. Those are more sustainable sources of motivation. If you look at someone who says they want to make lifestyle change, but what they're trying to do is match the physique of their favorite fitness influencer as soon as possible. That's going to drive you to behaviors that are much more intense and extreme and are probably not going to be maintainable over time. So I think that's the first piece of it. And I know you asked about discipline as well. We can get into that, but I'll give you a second to respond. Well, I just, my motivation was to look like Brad Pitt without a shirt on in Fight Club. And I <laughs> I, uh, I never really got there. But yeah, no, I, th I think you're right. So like uh, just the, the motivation being I want to be active, I think is a pretty good one um, because then you, at least at the very least, get up and do something every day. Um, so yeah, the difference between, uh, so I think a lot of people say, well, motivation hasn't struck me today, different type of motivation to get up. Um, and that's where discipline comes in. So tell me a little bit about how do you build discipline? Yeah. So uh, I think that 
we tend to think about motivation as this thing that we can um, drum up out of nowhere. <laughs> so like when you hear people talk about exercising and dieting, one of the big, I guess, common you know, uh, answers that people give is, oh, if I could only get motivation, mm -hmm. if I could only get motivated enough, then I would have the energy and the discipline to do all these things. And so I think we have to stop thinking about motivation as some mystical force, something that's given us this energy to, to go do all these things. And the reality is that motivation is just the reason or reasons that someone has for doing a particular action. And mm -hmm. the case must be that the benefit of what you're doing must be worth the effort. <laughs> So mm -hmm. I think that that starts to get at what discipline means is, you know, you, you're going to, you can maintain discipline when the reward is worth it. But if the cost of the activity outweighs the benefit, then discipline goes away. And so I, I think, again, it comes back to what am I doing this for? And I think it's great to have a goal such as, you know, I want to be more active. I want to have energy. Those are great starting places, but I really push people to get concrete with it. What specifically? do you want in your day-to-day -day life? I mean, I think it should be like, I, I want to be mobile so I can keep playing pickleball with my friends or, you know, I want to roll around on the floor with my kids. Like you really want to have this concrete vision of here's the life that I want to live. And I realize I need to make a change in my physical fitness in order to make that a reality. And so what steps do I need to take to, you know, bring this to fruition? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, like for me personally and anecdotally, I think some of the days when I really, really didn't want to work out, I had my best workouts. Um, and I, I don't have any way to explain that, but just the, mm -hmm. the fact of getting up and doing it, like you're almost like, I'm not going to say punishing, but you're, you're pushing harder because you didn't want to. Um, and, and I find that those days I end up feeling the best. So, uh, I, yeah. I, I would agree with what you're saying there. And I, and I think maybe to build on that just a bit. So another piece to this is the power of habits and how they can kind of help out in situations where maybe, Hey, today I'm not feeling it. Like I, I don't have the motivation that I usually have for whatever reason. Maybe you didn't get a good night's sleep or uh, you're a little under the weather. I think that if you have taken the time to install these behavior patterns in the form of habits, um, that makes discipline a little bit easier. If, if the procedures for doing all these things, like you getting up and going through your workout routine or preparing the right types of meals and getting them on, the, on your plate, if those are habitual, then there's much less friction because another avenue or another lane that I talk about friction in is psychological friction. So it's not just the amount of time and energy it takes to get through the process, but think about something as simple as like tying your shoes. Do you have to think about that or do you just know all the steps intuitively? Yeah. So when you, when you ingrain a behavior pattern and you know the procedure without having to think about it, well, then you've reduced friction. So that's the other piece of this. Like you were saying, Hey, if, you know, if I'm not feeling great today or I'm not feeling motivated, somehow I was just able to get through it. It's probably because you automatized a lot of the thinking that would normally need to happen in order to get you through it. But if you've turned it into a habit, you've reduced psychological friction and things are a little bit easier to get through. That's a really, yeah, that you're putting pieces together of things that are happening for me that I just didn't even uh, understand the why it's, you know, before I know it, I've set up and I'm ready to work out and I'm like, Oh, well, it's already there. I better go through with the motions. So I, I think, I think you're just uh, verbalizing uh, all of this for me. Now you've talked a lot uh, already about um, eating habits and nutrition 
And I think this is a huge hurdle for so many people, myself included. Mm -hmm. um, how do we develop good habits with eating without it feeling overwhelming? Yeah. Yeah. And you nailed it with the word overwhelming because that's what, that's the perception most people have when it comes to nutrition. So uh, there's a great uh, study that came out a couple of years ago that showed that the average American who says that they would like to improve their fitness and, and eat healthier, something like 90% of them said that their perception was that devising a healthy diet was more complicated than doing their income taxes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a lot of complexity wrapped up in it. And it's true. And I think that the number one thing that you can do as a busy person, if you want to, if, if you want to be successful is to look for ways to make this simpler. So you're not having to do a lot of thinking and decision making in the moment. And I think that's the key because the reality is there is some complexity when it comes to building effective eating plans and meal plans and, you know, counting calories and protein and all these things, they do take conscious work. But the, I think what you really want to do is you want to do all that thinking and planning up front so that day to day, you know, Monday through Friday during the normal work grind, that you're not having to do that hard work in the moment. So what I recommend people do is to sit down and I go through a procedure in my uh, book to teach people how to do this, but block off an hour, 90 minutes to sit down and come up with what I call a series of core meals, have three to five meals to get started. You can always come back and add variety over time. But a meal plan that you know has the right um, calorie content and protein and fat and carbs, and it's got the right portion sizes that are going to allow you to move forward with whatever your goals happen to be. And if you can stick to those most days of the week, at least during the busy work week, it's going to be much easier for you to make the decision to put a healthy option on your plate in the moment. And I think that's really the key. There's lots of ways that you can accomplish that. But the principle is, you know, do everything you can to make it easy to make a good decision in the moment. Yeah. And then uh, so cravings. So what I what I've personally done is the the thought of cheat meals is like when I start to get a craving, I block out like a, a day in the future. Like, hey, you know what? On it, Friday, I'm going to go get that hamburger or whatever. Um, and that way I mm -hmm. have like it's it's sitting there waiting for me as opposed to like taking it right now. What what How do you suggest to handle cheat meals? Um, and, and just attacking like large calorie things or, or things that aren't as healthy for us yeah. because those foods are just so good. Yeah. And, and Hey, my, I had a cheat day on Saturday, so, you know, it, it's definitely something that I, I think is just going to happen for most people. And the reality is that food is more than just fuel for most people, you know, whether you enjoy eating a good meal with friends and family or going out to a cool restaurant. I mean, you, you shouldn't have to cut that out of your life necessarily. Um, I think where most people get into trouble is that when they deviate from their meal plan or they have a cheat meal, they tend to lose line of sight to what the nutritional impact of that meal might be. And so you do that once, it's probably not going to have a big impact. So a, a normal in America, a normal restaurant meal is generally around 1200 calories, which is a lot, but it takes 3,500 calories over the course of a week to gain an extra pound of fat. So you have one cheat meal in most cases, probably not going to have a very significant impact where people get into trouble is when they have multiple deviations over the course of the week and they're not having line of sight to any headwinds that they may be creating for themselves. So if you're not keeping track of what is, you know, in these meals nutritionally, 
and you're doing it multiple times a week and not keeping track, you may be creating this headwind that's going to make it impossible for you to actually make progress, especially if you're trying to do something like lose weight. So I think what you described is a really great approach. It's like, hey, if I know I'm going to see friends and family on Friday night, I'm going to go ahead and earmark that day is the day that I'm likely going to go off the wagon for a cheat meal. And you can even plan in advance to see what that looks like. So like if I know I'm going to my niece's birthday party on Saturday, I know we're going to have pizza cake and ice cream. I would get out my nutrition app. I'd plug in pizza cake and ice cream and I would see, oh, that's going to be a thousand calories. And then I can make an informed decision about Am I going to make a change here? Am I good with this? You know, and if I'm in maintenance mode and this isn't going to have a significant impact, I might go ahead and and have the meal. But I think it's really about getting line of sight to what you're walking into so you can make a more informed decision about what you're going to do. Yeah. And again, I'm talking to Tyler Martin, author of the book, The Friction Factor, The Busy Person's Guide to Sustainable Diet and Exercise. Uh, first of all, look, I really, really appreciate your time in telling us all, all, all of this. Where can we get the book and, and when is it available? <clears throat> yeah, so if you're interested in the book or my work, you can go to my website. It's frictionfactorfitness.com and there's info there about ordering and more on the book. Um, and you can also sign up for my email newsletter to find out when I release new articles and podcasts. So it's frictionfactorfitness.com. All right. And uh, the the last thing I want to know is, do you have any lasting words um, for anybody who thinks maybe exercise just isn't for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What I would say to anybody that's just getting started is to really, really focus on habit formation, even if your commitment level is small. So you can build a habit around a five minute workout. So if that's all you can commit to in the beginning, do your five minutes every day. And over the course of that 66-day period or so, when things start to feel easier, the chances that you're going to be more willing to go back and build on that is going to be dramatically higher. That's that's uh, like you're recapping exactly how I got started. So I agree with that advice uh, 100%. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much for your time. and uh, and And thank you for all of the information you've given us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Conversations is a public affairs program of this station.